Hi there, Duke fans. Welcome to DBR Bites, episode number six. We are looking ahead to the game against Wake Forest. Uh, not this weekend, sorry, coming up this week. <laughs> uh, I am Jason Evans. I'm here to do a preview along with Donald Wine. Donald, how are you doing today? Good. Uh, you, you just reminded me of one of the great family guy jokes. Three days? That's tomorrow. Like <laughs> The game's tomorrow, Jason. <laughs> I know, I know. These uh, they just happen fast, you know. Yeah, the season yeah. is uh is relentless, so to speak. This is like we that, know because you know, we've had like the Saturday Monday back to back already. This is that Saturday Tuesday, which is not quite a back to back, but it's still, you know, you still have to kind of catch your breath. You know, you get an extra day to catch your breath, and then you're right back at it again. Yeah, exactly, exactly. All right, so uh, the the opponent this time is uh, the Wake Forest Demon Deacons, who, as you will recall. Uh, beat Duke 81 to 70 back in December. Probably the game that sort of shocked Duke fans perhaps the most of any game this season, either this one or the Wake Forest game. Oh, sorry, not the Wake, the NC State game are the two games that the Duke fans sort of, you know, if you look back over the schedule, you're sort of like, how did that happen? Uh, it was not a good effort from the Blue Devils. And we're going to get more into that. But I wanted to start, Donald, by mentioning this so that folks are aware. John Shire spoke to the media this morning. And he said, uh, Dariq Whitehead hasn't been ruled out for this game. It, it it seems almost crazy to imagine that he could be coming back this quickly that, you know, it was only a week ago against Virginia Tech that he got hurt in a way that, boy, sure as heck looked like it was going to be a long, long-term injury. And, and yet John Shire said today, no, Dariq is not ruled out yet. We're going to see if he can practice tomorrow. He said that he had a really good day yesterday, and if he is able to practice, John Shire said if Dariq Whitehead is able to practice, then he will play. But what he also said was, if he doesn't practice, he's not playing. Like, he could get better and feel good and feel like he's ready to play. If he hasn't had a, a game, I'm sorry, if he hasn't had a practice under his belt, he's not playing, which I thought was an interesting comment from Shire. I, I, it's clear they want whitehead to feel completely comfortable and to feel like the way to do that is to make sure he has a practice first any thoughts on Drake whitehead yeah i it, it's it's surprising to me that he would be coming back so quickly um i think the other thing that you didn't mention and i don't think john really mentioned but is out there is that there's an extra kind of cortisone shot that would he that he'd be able to receive tomorrow night and that would be from the cameron crazies that energy that intensity of being back in cameron that always helps you. And if you think about it, like most of our guys, whenever they get hurt, they're not reappearing for the first time on the road. They're doing it in the confines of Cameron Indoor Stadium where, again, they can get that extra boost, get that extra energy, and again, that extra adrenaline that they're going to need to kind of power through. I would not be shocked at this point if he plays tomorrow. Um, I don't think we're going to see heavy minutes from him, Jason. I think we're talking maybe 10 minutes uh, at most. If yeah. he does come back and if, if that's the case, then the question is, hey, do you wait and maybe give him an extra few days because we do have UNC this weekend? Or are you saying that, hey, you for him to be really fully ready for UNC, which is the, the end goal here, then you play him a couple of minutes in this game to make sure that he there's no setbacks, if, if you will. So um, at this point, I'm surprised that it's taken so quickly for him to recover. Um, that's great. Um, and it speaks to you know, how his body's responding to all the treatment, all this stuff. But uh, at this point, now now that we are done with the surprise of him coming back so quickly, I won't be surprised if I do see him uh, for a few minutes tomorrow night. 
Yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like if I had to make a bet on this, I would probably bet against Dirty Whitehead playing in that game. But just hearing that he's getting this close is incredibly encouraging. Um, obviously, there'll be several more days before the UNC game. You would love, you would love to have a guy like that for UNC. And I'm betting that Derek Whitehead, when he committed to Duke, was dreaming of nothing more than playing in front of the Cameron Crazies against UNC. Uh, I, I, I would imagine virtually every high school basketball player in the world dreams of dreams of doing that. And uh, I'm sure Derek is going to do everything he can to to make that dream come true for himself. Hey, let's move on from that and get to talking a little bit about Wake Forest. And uh, this is a Wake team that has lost three games in a row. I think it'd be easy to see them as swooning a bit as a result, but I think that may be a bit of a mirage. Donald, I know you want to talk a good bit about what Wake has done since Duke played them, but I just want to give folks one stat that I think is really interesting. Like I said, they lost these three games in a row. Um, they lost at Pitt. They lost at home to Virginia and at home to NC State. Coming into those three games, prior to those three games, they were the number 73 team in Ken Palm. After playing those three games, they're the number 74 team in Ken Palm. They may have lost three games in a row, but they were very competitive contests, and these were very good opponents. And this Wake team is still a very dangerous opponent, aren't they, Donald? Yeah, and you know, since they beat us uh, back on December 20th, they've gone 5-4, and four, which again, Jason, you talk about the fact that they've swooned lately, but they were doing pretty well up until that point. They had wins against Virginia Tech, Louisville and Florida State. Obviously, they're at the bottom of the ACC. BC's close to the bottom of the ACC, but they did give Clemson their first ACC loss right after Clemson beat us. So this is a team that, you know, they have the ability to beat the top teams in the ACC. And Jason, when you think about last time we played them, uh, if you remember in Winston-Salem, you mentioned that that was the first shock of the season for Duke fans as far as how we played. That was the first game that we came on here and said, yo, that was a bad loss. That was a loss where we did exactly. not play well against a team that we should have destroyed. And, and I know it was coming off of the rust of the of the Christmas break or, or, or sorry, the uh, reading period break that we normally have every year. But that was a game that we should have won. One of the guys that really did us in, at least from a point standpoint, was Tyree Appleby. He went for 18 points. But if you remember, Jason, we actually played him pretty well because 14 of his or 13 of his points he made from the free throw line. So he kept going to the line. He kept making he his had, points that remember he had eight turnovers in that game. Yeah. He, he, yeah. He's a great player. I mean, he's like absolutely in the running for first team all ACC. We did a nice job on him. It was that we didn't do a very good job on the rest of their team. On everyone else. You got Cameron Hildreth went seven for 15. He had 16 points. Damari Monsanto hit three threes. He had, I think, 13 points. He had two other guys in double figures. Like these were guys, and those were guys that were averaging at that point, they were all averaging maybe with the exception of Hildreth under 10 points a game. Really, we thought that the game was going to center around Tyree Appleby. And so we did such a great job. We basically told Lake Forest, the rest of you, go ahead and beat us. And unfortunately, the rest of them did. And we weren't ready for that intensity that they brought on that particular day. I think we will be ready tomorrow, though. We're, we're going to be in Cameron. This is obviously a different beast. The crazies will be on point. The, the energy will be there. And it's a matter of making shots. It's a matter of getting rebounds. I remember them getting a lot of second chance opportunities. They may not have converted them all, but just again, for a team, when we were entering, we were number one in the country in offensive rebound percentage. We did not rebound well on that night. Uh, that was again, the first time of the season that we really didn't uh, do what we were supposed to do. And yeah, I think, they, you know, they, 
they beat us 37 to 29 on the boards and duke only got duke's offensive rebounding percentage was like the lowest of the season in that game that that was a big story of that game yeah and it led to the fact that you know you the points that we had again losing by 11 where we sent them to the free throw line a ton of times we didn't get offensive rebounds things that we're normally really good at i think you know the 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 hope is that both of those stats kind of turn around tomorrow night but also what has been helping us lately is the fact that we have been shooting a little bit better lately than we were back then especially from three you know we had the, a couple of games where we shot 38 39 40% from three last game we shot 66% from two points we were you know, we weren't missing bunnies we weren't missing layups or anything like that so there's a lot of opportunities for us to look at the trends and say hey this can be a much better outcome if those continue but you still got to play. You got to be physical. Kyle Filipowski, he mentioned this game uh, last time we played them as one of those games where he said they kind of hit him in the mouth physically, and he didn't re- he didn't know at that time how to how to act or counteract that. And since then, he's been <laughs> the best player in the ACC, in my opinion. So, um, and he's really you know helped up and stepped up in the physical nature. I'm ready to see this Kyle Filipowski against Wake Forest because I think he's going to have a much better night, just given the fact that he knows that they are going to be way more physical um, and he's going to be ready for it. I'm so glad that you brought up Flip because, to me, one of the biggest stories that of that game, the first game against Wake, was how badly, how much Andrew Carr of Wake Forest outplayed mm-hmm. Kyle Filipowski. A- Andrew Carr, you know, He's a nice little player, transfer from Delaware. He he's 6'10. He has the size to match up with, with Kyle Filipowski, which is something that Kyle doesn't see that often. I mean, usually Kyle's playing a guy who's you know, a few inches shorter. Six seven, six eight. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Who's at least yeah, two or three inches shorter than Andrew Carr is and, and three or four inches shorter than Kyle Filipowski is. And and it's a different, I think it's it's a different matchup for Kyle playing a guy who has who has the size that Andrew Carr does. To remind folks, that that game by Flip against Wake was his worst game of the season. He was 3 of 13 from the field, including 0 of 6 from three-point range, and he's been hot from three lately. He had just seven points, only five rebounds, and he had four turnovers. I mean, meanwhile, Matthew, uh, sorry, uh, Andrew Carr had 10 points, seven rebounds, and three block shots. That, that was a huge, huge part of that victory for Wake Forest. And I guarantee you, like you said, Flip has this game circled on his calendar. He is eager for this rematch and the way he's been playing lately. Uh, I, I'll be a little surprised if he doesn't put up one of those double doubles, perhaps, you know, one of those, uh, he's had a number of games recently where he's been 20 plus points and like 14 plus rebounds. He may do that. I, I won't be at all surprised if he does that to this Wake Forest team. It, it It's worth noting. You talked about, you know, some of the good wins that Wake has had lately uh, Duke, Virginia Tech, Clemson, all really nice wins. Uh, that said, all three of those were home games. The The only wins that Wake has on the road are to ACC bottom dwellers, Louisville and BC. At, early in the year, they beat Wisconsin on the road. Nice win at Wisconsin. But for the most part, this Wake team has struggled considerably more on the road than they have at home. That's the story of almost everybody in the ACC. And and this game is going to be played in Cameron. I, I just think it's a it's a tall order for this Wake team that that you know you already feel like probably they they caught lightning in a bottle a little bit to to have Duke play as poorly as we did in Winston Salem. You know the notion that that Duke's going to play that poorly again, the notion that Wake's going to play that well again, 
in a road game for Wake, boy, to me, I think that's a tall order. So we we mentioned one X factor that could be, you know, playing if Dariq Whitehead does appear on the court. The other one is Derek Lively. Uh, if you remember, both Whitehead and Lively were yes, sick exactly. in this game. And that contributed a lot to a lot of the the chaos that we kind of saw on the court where the fact was we didn't know who was starting. We didn't know who was playing. But if, you know, Lively has been playing a lot better lately and he, and he did not even play in that game because he was sick. So uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do and what he can add to this Duke team as they go up against Wake Forest. Because, again, that's another tall tree that maybe he gets on Andrew Carr a little bit. Maybe we have less of Ryan Young, who, you know, also kind of shifted on to uh, Andrew Carr at times when Kyle Filipowski just wasn't able to handle him physically. This is going to be where we at least now have three tall trees that we can you know, we can throw in. Maybe Andrew Carr is neutralized. But again, also, if you remember, a lot of his lot of the points were like alley-oop dunks from like five feet where Tyree Appleby was able to drive the lane and just like kind of float it in the air three feet to him and he would and he would crash at home. Well, it, it wasn't him as much. It was Matthew Marsh. Who did yeah, that Matthew to, Marsh too. Yes, that he too. did that to Duke again and again. And mm-hmm. yeah, playing play. If you're Matthew Marsh, getting lobs when Ryan Young is the guy trying to guard you versus getting lobs when Derek Lively is the guy guarding you, right. night and day. No offense to Ryan Young, that's just a whole different equation. I I don't know if that's going to be in the game plan unless they hope that Derek Lively just gets so eager that he dunks it into his own basket, but he hasn't done that so far this year. So I don't think that's (laughs) going to be in the card. So I I think, yeah, that that again changes kind of the dynamic of what they do. And I I'm looking forward to seeing what Derek Lively can do, because again, a lot of those times, maybe those, you know, drives in the lane, they're not even going to get the pass off because he's launching that in another direction and I think where we did not get a lot of last time where we can really destroy them is fast break points. If we can get steals or get turnovers, get block shots and go the other way quickly. And with the momentum that Cameron can give you, Wake Forest can be taken out of this game very quickly, but it's on us to execute it. So I don't know that this is a game where Duke's going to get, first of all, Duke has not been a huge fast breaking team this year. Obviously when we get opportunities, we take them, but um, we've been, we're playing at a really slow pace, especially for a Duke team. I think I, I think I saw, I don't have the number in front of me, that Duke was like 290th in the country, um, in terms of pace of play, uh, th- this season, uh, we're not Virginia, but we're not far, far from it. Uh, the other thing I wanted to address was, I, I just want to give folks a little bit of an impression of what this wake team is, what they do well and what they don't do well based on the advanced metrics. They are really good on offense. I, I cannot stress enough that this Wake team is incredibly efficient. They're number 28 in the country, according to Ken Palm, in offense. And by the way, in ACC play, in conference play, Wake is the number one team in the conference in offensive uh, efficiency. They they do a great job of hitting three-pointers, better than 37% of their threes they hit them. They're also quite good at hitting two-pointers. They're at 54% on their two-point field goals. And as a result, you combine those two things together, hit good threes, hit good twos, you get one of the top 25 teams in the country at at field goal efficiency. That, that you know, that is something this Wake team really hangs their hat on and they do a great job at. They don't turn the ball over very much. I you mentioned the you know, the fast breaks. Wake Wake is really good at not committing turnovers and they really don't make mistakes themselves. They don't throw the ball away, they don't travel, you know, they don't commit offensive fouls. That aspect of the game they they are very efficient at holding on to the ball. Now, you can block their shot. They're one of the bottom 50 teams in the country getting their shots blocked, and they're not an offensive rebounding team at all. 
on defense, they're not going to turn you over. They're not going to block your shot. They're going to try and force you to take a shot that you don't want to take. Um, opponents hit about 35% of their threes, which is a fairly decent number. But Wake just what Wake does is Wake gives up a lot of threes. Teams shoot a ton of threes against them because they don't let you get in the lane. They don't let you get into sort of a more comfortable spot there. And, you know, I spoke last week, Donald, about Duke's home and road shooting splits. The Duke shoots so much better from three at home than they do on the road. Just to remind folks, even after that Georgia Tech game where we shot fairly well on the road, Duke is just 27% from long range uh, in road games. We hit 37% of our threes at home. So we've got a wake team here that gives up a lot of three-pointers, doesn't mind giving up three-pointers, and we got a Duke team that is able to really shoot much better, much, much better at home than on the road. These are just things that, to me, don't play very well into Wake's hand <laughs> for this game. Last thing I wanted to mention very quickly, uh, and then I'll let you wrap it up if you want. Uh, you mentioned Tyree Appleby, their best player. He is a rocket point guard. It is worth noting that you will probably not see him come out of this game a single second. In their past six games, he's played 40 minutes three times. He played 39 minutes in one of the other ones and 38 in the other two. So in their past six games, he's only been on the bench for a total of five minutes. <laughs> That is, and he's not really. He's, uh, that, that, he's not doing the like w- what we used to do with JJ when he would play forty minutes, where Coach K would kind of remove him like ten seconds before a TV timeout, so it wouldn't count as a minute, and he'd still get like a break and then be inserted right back into the lineup. He's staying in the game. There's like no calls for him to even sit out for twenty seconds, thirty seconds, even when he gets into foul trouble. He's still staying in the game because that's how important he is to the engine of their offense. Yeah. So, Donald, do we have anything else? Uh, on this wake preview or are we all set yeah i think i think the one thing when you mentioned efficiency i i want people to remember that you know just a couple of weeks ago we played one of the most off you know efficient teams in offense in miami and we held them pretty well they didn't shoot very well on that day our defense can step up this is going to be another nice test for them and i think the key here is to make them like you said they're on, on defense they're making us trying to shoot shots shots that we don't want to take we have to do the same thing to them. That's what we were effective uh, against Miami is making Miami kind of take shots that they didn't want to take that were out of their comfort zone. If we can do that, they're not going to make a lot of them. And as you said, we can get the rebounds and we can get up out of there and go to go the other way. So uh, this is going to be a nice little test. And I think hopefully the revenge factor is in there um, in, in making sure that they know how bad they played on the road in Winston-Salem and they want to you know make sure that they uh, kind of redeem themselves this time around. Yeah, look, uh, my, my final thought is this. The, the conference is very bunched up in that, you know, top middle third to to, to the exact middle. Uh, there, are, there are currently two teams with three losses, three teams, including Duke, with four losses, and two teams, including Wake, with five losses. It is time for this Duke team to start pushing forward, getting a little bit of separation from the middle, you know, knocking this Wake team down to a sixth loss. Staying at only four losses for Duke, that's that's essential. I, I I don't think that the ACC race is out of reach, but it's getting close. You know, Clemson only has one loss. Virginia only has two. With four losses, Duke is still in there. This is the – I can't stress enough. It's just the kind of game you cannot – we cannot lose this game. You know, if we had any margin at any point, I think we sort of – that Virginia Tech loss was the margin. <laughs> that is yeah. now gone 
and and Duke probably, if we're really going to get in the race, we probably are going to need to to pull off some upsets. You know, win some road games at places like Carolina, at places like Miami, places like uh, Virginia. Um, if we're really going to get back into this ACC race, but what we cannot do is we cannot lose home games, and we cannot lose home games to teams that are in our same general neighborhood of the standings right now. Teams like Wake Forest, as we mentioned on the last you know full podcast when we discussed kind of this murderer's row of games that we have coming up. You know, this was the first one on that schedule. And while we you know, can look ahead to UNC and Miami and UVA coming up and then, you know, even from there, basically having two to three games a week, we have to make sure we focus on one game at a time. So let's get take care of business tomorrow night. Then we can look forward to the rest of that, because I think if we do that, as we look back, we can look back and and see that we're going to be way more successful than if we're looking down the road. So the only road we need to be looking down is Tower View tomorrow night because that's where the game is. We focus on that, and then we can we can worry about the rest of the schedule. I love it. Mentioning Tower View brought a big smile to my Shout face. Shout out Tower I View. Love the yeah, there you go, baby. All right, and that's going to wrap it up for us here on DBR Bites' latest episode as we preview the game against the Wake Forest Demon Deacons. We will, of course, be back with you uh, very shortly after that game is over to recap what happened, and then, then we turn our attention. And we don't do it yet. We wait until after the Wake game. But after the Wake game, we turn our attention to the UNC Tar Heels coming to Cameron. Until then, I am Jason. He is Donald. Sam couldn't be with us, but he is with us in abstentia. He is with us in spirit. Here's the Duke band to play us out and take us home.